0: Welcome back to another fun filled weekend edition of Second City Sports, Zoom Style! Zoom Style! Along with Laquina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You
1: can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at can underscore McGee on the IG.
0: You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can get the audio version of this podcast by simply go to War or Anchor. That's W-A-R-R or Anchor. Type that in your search engine boxes. We are available on all podcast platforms. You can go to our website, website, WeAreRegalRadio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WAR Media, that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we have very definite opinions. Mm -hmm. Lakina, let me ask you a question as we kick off this latest episode. Do you remember your 8th grade graduation, your high school graduation, your graduation from IMS Illinois Media School for those of you outside the Chicago Lane area? Mm-hmm. Do you Thanks. remember uh, your feeling, your feelings like uh, your 8th grade graduation, your high school graduation and graduating from IMS, were you excited, were you anticipating something new, were you nervous, all those things? All yes or no? All of
1: those. All of yes. it? Yes,
0: yes sir. Good. Good. As we kick off this episode talking about the Chicago White Sox, that's um, the feelings that I'm going through right now as the White Sox are taking on the Houston Astros this weekend on the south side. You'll surely will be there uh, tonight and tomorrow for those of you listening on our audio version. That's Saturday and Sunday for those of you scoring technically at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as the second half kicks off and the all-star break is over, I anticipate the, uh, the White Sox winning the American League Central. I think it's a foregone conclusion. What I'm nervous about A little bit is the trade deadline. What will GM Rick Hahn do, which we are exactly two weeks away from July 31st deadline. What will Rick Hahn do? Will he pick up that second baseman? Will he pick up that veteran middle reliever? And then the nervousness. Once October 3rd, 4th ends, which is the last day of the regular season, it's time to get nervous because expectations have been placed on this team Ever since the start of the season, you, uh, ever since the off season when Tony LaRusso was hired, of course, he made the moves for Lance Lynn, Adam Eaton, who's no longer on the ball club now, and so on and so on. The White Sox got a little taste last year with the expanded playoff, you know, losing to the Oakland A's on the road in the wild card series. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Lakina, I am going to enjoy this regular season for what it is because the reason why is because they are are doing what we as fans and media experts have expected them to do despite all the injuries despite the quote-unquote incident in minnesota we won't talk about that Mm -hmm. despite the injuries mostly and despite tony LaRusso having some mishaps here and there the white Sox are doing what they're supposed to do now i could go on the pessimistic moment and saying be that typical Chicago meatball fan. Oh, this team's not going to do it. They don't stack up against this team. They don't stack up against that team. Uh, they'll do this. We'll wait till they choke. They'll do this. They'll do that. My approach is right now, as a fan, Momogian, as the kids would say, as a fan, I'm going to enjoy this until the last day of the regular season. Over here, as a talking head, I'm going to criticize them fairly, and I'm going to praise them fairly. And say, fan, I'm going to enjoy this from now to the end of regular season before the real season begins. But right now, I feel like graduation day. You're excited. You're the top of the class. You're on the top of the mountain right now. Everybody's looking up to you. You're the big dog on campus. Mm-hmm. But you're going to move into the next phase. You just don't know what to expect. That's where I'm, my approach is right now with the Chicago White Sox. And that's
1: really, the, I think that's the best approach to have in this because look, I mean, you know, I don't think what happens in the Astros series is going to be indignant to what's going to happen the rest of the season. They've got a, a little bit of a tougher schedule. You know, they got to p- play a lot of their divisional opponents multiple times. You could get kind of, you know, it kind of lax, but look, you're in the top five at the very least in a lot of the offense and pitching categories. But I think at this point, you just you just kind of have to go with the flow. I think you're you're kind of if you're the White Sox, you're you're right where you should be. You're up. You're probably I, I doubt that unless you completely collapse, which you shouldn't, you know. And you know somehow Cleveland passes you, then you could probably say that you know what you got a good good shot of being you know, pulling away from the, in the division and you know perhaps win it. And look, whatever happens, you know as far as how where the chips fall more where may when it comes to seedings and AL and, and all that stuff. Okay, fine. You know, let's not worry about that right now. It, look, if we're condescised to get another. Another another hitter, perhaps maybe another middle reliever who which is what they need. I, I think look I, I think it's fine. Now who else is out there can it get? I'm sure a lot of these teams are gonna be asking for a lot. You know, some people are saying that maybe Javi to the you know to the White Sox or maybe perhaps or Chris or White Sox. I don't you know, I don't know where some of those are coming from, but we'll get to the Cubs in a second here. But look, I think you're if you're kinda like staying pet. I mean, you know, Eloy's gonna be back perhaps, maybe not, you know, before before the end of the month. You know, Robert might will probably be back you know, before, you know, in sometime next month too. So look, you're gonna be at full strength in that. So, you know, what Rickon kind of decides to do is gonna be very interesting to see what he does because I think once you know once you know you figure out, okay, let's get this team at full strength among the hitting, okay, they can concentrate on pitching. So usually the best approach if you're the white if you're the white size is that look, just you know, just keep doing what you're doing, you know, just don't collapse, which we've seen happen with various teams and and just look. And just maybe try to get some help in the middle relief because that's really what, that's really the, if you could say that that's probably the one of the team, like a big weakness for the White Sox is their middle relief. It's probably what you need to get.
0: My anticipation as well, you brought up, Laquina, with the re- possible return of Eloy Jimenez by the end of this month, if not, no later than August 3rd. Of course, Luis Roberts should be back by the middle of, of August, I should say, uh, assuming cat, starting catcher Yasmani Grandal as well. The reason why I'm anticipating those moves is because we'll finally get to see minus Nick Magical, the starting second baseman who's out for the year. But minus him, we're going to see what this lineup is capable capable of as we anticipate looking at this lineup since spring training. We were robbed of that because of the injuries. But now, hopefully by the end of August, the White Sox, like you say, play slightly above 500 ball. They should be okay. I'm not handing them a the division just yet, even though I believe the division is theirs. But uh, the, as long as the White Sox play slightly above 500 ball, they'll be okay. Now, breaking down their 30, 54 and 35 record as of this recording, they're 13 and 7 against the AL East, 7 and 10 against the AL West, and 30 and 15 against their uh, Central AL Central rival counterparts. Now, Lakini, we said this over the last couple of years: the White Sox. Uh, needed to do well against the division. They did so so in twenty nineteen. They did well enough in twenty twenty to qualify for the playoffs, even though they lost the division by one game. This year is is turned around even more so they went in the games against their division. I just need to, to do better against uh, better opponents, including the Houston Astros this weekend. Will this series make or break them for the rest of the year? No, but you need to send a message to the Astros by beating them and saying if you, you want to go to the World Series, you've got to come through us because, let's be honest here, heaven haven't forbid any more injuries to any of our stars, uh, the White Sox will be favored come postseason, come out October. And they need to start sending messages by collecting up with wins against better teams. And it starts this weekend against Houston.
1: Well, if you look look at the White Sox schedule, like I said, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's a little bit tough. I mean, you got, you got to play at Tampa Bay, you got to get the Yankees, (laughs) you got to play Oakland, you got to play Kansas city. You know, there are no push, you know, you're not, they're not your level yet, but there are no pushovers. So you just got to, you know, try to, Get as long as you don't go below 500, I think you're in a pretty good spot. If you're the White Sox, I think that's really the best way you can do it. Just you know, to just just you know, try to get one series at a time, and you know, hopefully at least win most of your series, so that way you can kind mm-hmm. of be right at just at above the 500 mark, so you can kind of you don't know, have to worry about having to lose leads. You know, lose the eight-game lead that you have right now as it's recording against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So, I I you know, I think if you look if you make some moves, great. You know, if you as long as you don't you know just mm-hmm completely just, you know, fall by the wayside, I think you're in pretty good shape. Now, if God forbid, you know, a Jose Abreu or a Tim Anderson, if someone like that goes out with an injury, you know, knock on wood, then you might have a little bit of a problem. But again, you know, there's this hope that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, we already had a scare with Jose Abreu, and hopefully it doesn't happen to him nor anybody else. You're listening to Second City Sports, the weekend edition, along with Lakina McGee. I'm you, Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's talk about the North Siders. They made a trade late Thursday afternoon, sending Jock Peterson to the Atlanta Braves for a minor leaguer first baseman. Lakina, we talked about this on the show last week. First, Ronald Coonan, Jr., uh, their right fielder for the Braves, the all-star right fielder, injured himself, tearing his ACL. Hopefully he'll be back in time to start of the 2022 season. Uh, Let me explain it this way. Mm -hmm. One of my top ten all-time favorite movies. Lean on me. Shout out to Morgan Freeman. I'm talking about on screen, not off the screen. That's all not issue. But do you remember that scene? <laughs> yeah. But also, you, you that are listening exclusively on uh, our podcast, look in and roll their eyes. If you don't know what that means, uh, go look up the information yourself. Now, back to our conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember that scene before um, the things started to turn around at the school? He brought up the, quote, unquote, bad kids onto the stage, and he mm-hmm. told them they all explicated, yep. you're out of here forever. Yep. I wish you well. And all of them start acting up, and eventually they were re- removed uh-huh. quickly. Yep. I know some people, especially in this town, Chicago, want to give Jed Hoyer the keys to go ahead with the fire sale. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I don't see Jed Hoyer explicating all the talent that has been rumored to be traded over the last couple of summers, like Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, and Wilson Contreras, the catcher. Now, I you know you'll get to the Cubs schedule in a minute as they open up uh, a three-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks on the road this weekend. But I know Jack Peterson was the first move. I know there may be another domino, too, that will fall. But like I said, maybe I'm the minority. I just don't see a complete fire sale. I just don't.
1: No, no, I'm with, I'm with you. I think we're, I think we're probably in the minority. I think we're, we're used to it, but <laughs> that's another thing, but, uh, yes, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't,
0: well, like, shot.
1: yeah, thank you. But like I said before, I mean, that, look, that NL central is still there for the taking. do you really think that the Brewers are going to be the winners of that division? I don't think so. Yes. I know Cincinnati is, you know, second place, but Cincinnati has been up and down and inconsistent. So I don't think they're going to, you know, be, a, be around you know that much so i look i think st louis you know i know some people say st louis you know a lot of people picked in the win division you know but they haven't been playing very well so I, I just think that at this at this point i think people just need to kind of like just take sit down take a breath it's not because fault that their division is not very good <laughs> so i think for people to, to sort of anticipate that oh well you know and so it begins you know let's here comes a fire sale let's trade everybody don't do that because mm-hmm look at their schedule they got arizona you know for the next you know arizona um they got go at arizona this weekend and they go out to st louis and they got, Ari- they got arizona getting home next weekend and they got four against cdc they got three at washington and dc in dc D- against the nationals and they have- they go
0: through july 31st correct
1: yes sir so yeah they can, they we'll can- find
0: out a lot more uh and with that you know when that series begins in two weeks i'm talking about the washington series
1: yeah, I mean maybe can, another move
0: or two would have been made by them, but we'll see.
1: And look, they can gain it maybe two or three games. I mean, look, that's why mm-hmm. that's why we see show how bad that division is. So, you know, they've got, they've got a couple of you know tough ones. They got Milwaukee, they got the White Sox, of course, but they have their schedule. I don't want to say it's easy, but there are a lot of winnable series mm-hmm. here. So to say that yeah, sorry to say that, you know, that the team should totally like sell everybody and just one of the divisions right there for the ticket. So it's not their fault. So I would say, you know, let's slow down and just let's see how some of these series go.
0: Here's the thing about the Cubs. Can they generate any offense uh, consistently? Because that's been their problem for the last uh, two or three seasons, including this year. Javi Baez has 20-plus home runs this year. Chris Bryant, who's an all-star, we know that he can get it done. But uh, will your role players will they start to come through again like the Patrick Duffy's, like the Patrick uh Matt Duffies rather The um <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a I don't think about the old Dallas show <laughs> well the, the Matt Duffy's and the Patrick Wisdoms and Nico right. Horner and, mm-hmm. and some of those guys will they uh continue to pick up the slack uh, again like they did back in the month of May Jason Hayward how much does he have left and you know, some, some of the other big-name uh, guys, it, they all have to work as a collective unit. And it's been hit and miss uh, these last couple of weeks, you know, having the longest losing string in over a decade. I know we talked about this last week. Catcher Wilson Gutierrez called out some of his teammates following last Saturday night's loss against the Cardinals on national television. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say something does need to change. I'm not saying the firing of David Ross or anything like that, but an attitude needs to change. But will they do that uh, this weekend in Arizona? They should. Arizona's the worst team in baseball next to Baltimore. So uh, it had to at least for the weekend should change. Mm -hmm. Will will they translate to being more consistent and start winning games? Because some of those guys uh, in that clubhouse, their days may be numbered.
1: And also, too, like you said, this is consistent. I think they've had some injuries. Some of those guys are coming back. So hopefully Mm a Cubs team at full strength can kind of be sort of right there in that division. And like I said before, the division is still right there, is right there still for the taking. So, and their schedule is actually, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say it's easy, but like I said, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there are a lot of winnable series. So I would say, you know, for people that want to fire sales so badly, I think you might want to slow down on that.
0: <laughs> well, we still have a couple, exactly two weeks before the trade deadlines. So there's, there's not a lot of time, but there's some time between now and then. So the only uh, people that can control it is the players themselves. As I said before, the attitude needs to change. You, you had a nice long break. Uh, you didn't play last Sunday against the Cardinals because it was a rainout, so you had a few days off. So uh, hopefully the guys uh, can come in with a fresh attitude and, and go, go get Arizona. You should sweep the series, no worse than two out of three, but let's be realistic. You still should sweep the series, even though you've been playing like crap the last two weeks.
1: There's no excuse for that either. So we, they, they have to, and
0: mm-hmm. I, think for,
1: I think for psyche too, for the confidence and for the psyche of the team, I think your best bet is you better sweep against one of the worst teams in the major league. So that could, it, that could help jumpstart the confidence. So who knows?
0: Exactly. Um, sticking with baseball was just for another moment or two before we move on. As you're listening to the second city sports along with the McGee, I'm Cindy Brown. Uh, The Red Sox and Yankees are taking place this weekend in the Bronx. Thursday's game was canceled due to uh, uh, several New York players and front office personnel testing positive for for COVID-19, including Aaron Judge. The series resumed Friday, and so the series continues uh, this weekend. And so the Thursday game will be made up in a later date. Also, of the series – series going on this weekend. Worthy of note, the Marlins, uh, the Miami Marlins at Philadelphia to take on the Phillies, the new York, new York Mets at the Pittsburgh Pirates, the San Diego Padres at the Washington Nationals, Texas Rangers at the Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo, New York, the Milwaukee Brewers, as you just mentioned, they take on, they'll take on Cincinnati on the road. Tampa Bay will go to the new look at Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles will play Kansas City Royals. Of course, the Astros and the White Sox here in Chicago. The San Francisco Giants and the Arizona – sorry, ooh, I'm thinking football already. The Yay! St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers will go to Colorado to battle the Rockies, the home of this past uh, year's All-Star game. Seattle at Anaheim. Can Anaheim surprise some people and make a wild-card run? We shall see. Of course, you have the Cubs-Diamondbacks. Cleveland at Oakland. And then you have Minnesota at Detroit, so those actually, are the series to go around baseball for this weekend.
1: Yeah, hopefully they'll be able to play because both of their doubleheader games were postponed due to rain. So there's a lot of rain, you know, going on. They're getting the rain that they're actually getting the rain that we got. So hopefully they'll be able to play tonight.
0: <laughs> yep, we'll see about that. Of course, the three games they're on tonight for those of you listening on our audio version, the uh, the Fox Saturday Night Baseball game game of the week. Most of you will get New York uh, versus Boston. Of course, us here in Chicago will get. Houston and the White Sox, I'll be at that one in attendance. And then the rest of you will get San Francisco and St. Louis. So that's your TV schedule for Saturday night. Let's move on, Lakina, to wrap up this first segment. Um, to, uh, we have a couple of um, items to, to, to discuss in the sports media world.
1: Hey, let's do it.
0: All right. Coming to us from our good friends at Awful, uh, Awful Announcing, uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, the Hall of Fame tight end in, uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is leaving Fox Sports to focus on TV and film projects. Of course, we talked about this before when the news was made a few months ago. Charles Woodson, who was at ESPN, now a Ho- Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, uh, he was at ESPN a few years ago, took a couple years off. Now he's with Fox full-time for that Fox NFL kickoff show. That's what Head Coach Dave wants, that Carissa Thompson, Colin Kyle Heard, and Michael Vick. I'm sure I'm, I don't know if I'm missing anybody else, but Tony Gonzalez was part of that pregame show. Now he leads the network uh, entirely. Of course, he was part of the main Fox NFL Sunday crew. He did the, also the halftime and the postgame stuff when Jimmy Johnson didn't do it. So uh there's this, this going to be a huge uh hole to fill. But, you know, this is why they brought in Charles Woodson. It looks like his Michael Vick's role is going to be expanded as well. And congratulations to – Mark Sanchez, the former NFL quarterback, he leads ESPN for Fox. He's going to be a game uh, analyst next to Kevin Kugler. Yeah. So. Who we time Brandon in last year.
1: Yeah. Um, first with the Gonzalez news, I think it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, he is a, you know, a Los Angeles born guy. You know, he's, he's very good looking, you know, got charisma. So I think he wants to do some, you know, Hollywood projects. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I think that's, you know that's sort of the route that some football guys, you know, take. We saw it you know way back when with Jim Brown and Fred the Hammer Williamson. Now with, um, I think Thomas Jones, I think who's played for the Bears. I think he's doing a lot of been doing a lot of um, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. movies
1: and te- episodic. Doing work.
0: very well too.
1: Yeah, doing a lot of episodic work. So yeah, so he's got a good resume. So I think he. You know, Gonzalez totally wants to kind of take advantage of that. So um, I'm like, I'm not surprised. I mean, he's like I said, he's very good looking. You know, he's got charisma, he's got, you know, charm. So, and very smart. So I think he, you know, he definitely will get some roles on television and movies in no time. You know, of course, you know, Willie Gault way back in the day for us here in Chicago you know ha- had a really yeah. great hollywood career so i think he's still doing some uh, some stuff here and there from time to time some production stuff too i believe mark Sanchez, i'm not really surprised i know he said he's been wanting to call games and think espn never really gave him the opportunity to do it so mm-hmm. i really don't blame him for leaving now it's gonna be interesting too that now that he's gone that opens the door for that um abc college football halftime uh stuff and pre and post and stuff you know you got Kevin Nagandy and Booker McFarland. So, who fills that role?
0: Uh, Sam Acho, who was hired a couple of weeks ago. Shout out to him and Danny Parker, friend of the show, by the way, by doing the community work with a score uh, marathon here in Chicago to raise raise, uh, money for uh, a new grocery store in an Allstate neighborhood in Chicago. So congratulations to both those gentlemen on that. But Sam Macho has been hired by ESPN. I think he'll do some games as well, but he's going to mainly do studio work. So he's an intelligent guy, former NFL player, former Chicago Bear. He's going to do fine. I know his brother, Emmanuel, he may do some stuff with the NFL, but he's doing some speak for yourself on Fox Fox Sports 1 with Marcellus Wiley. So the the Ocho brothers are doing quite fine.
1: Yeah, Sam's actually. Yeah, Sam's actually pretty much doing what uh, Emmanuel did. You know, he's gonna be doing like the mm-hmm. ESPN two their halftime stuff. So yeah, so mm-hmm. he's basically taking over. But everyone said everyone who covers Sam Ocho who was here, you know, when he was here in Chicago, everybody said he was a very engaging guy. Mm-hmm. You know, very you know media savvy. So it's not very very surprising that <clears throat> he's also, he's he's done a really good job at get uh, on get up last week. So for you know those last couple of days last week. So. He'll get, you know, like, look, not a big surprise. The actual brothers are taking over the, you know, yeah, <laughs> taking the, uh, by Storm. So, and, and you know, he says some nice about his brother. So, he said the little brother is a better dresser and, and smarter. I don't know if he was trying to be – I don't know if he was trying to <laughs> be condescending, but you know, he actually, like, he meant it. So, but, yeah. But, look, like, you, know, you, you know, you got Alex Smith perhaps maybe be able to replace for Mark Sanchez. I mean, we still don't know if, if R, what RG3 is going to do. So, they, I know mm-hmm. the Ravens start training camp in a couple of weeks. So, we'll see what he does. So, you know, very interesting, you know, stuff coming up here in sports media as things are starting to kind of like in, you know, get into gear as we get closer and closer to training camp and, you know, college football is starting their practices and their media days.
0: Yeah. Do you remember uh, sticking with hockey for just a second, Lakina, do before the shutdown last year, do you remember the, uh, the game early in, on the Sunday night in March between the Chicago Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues. I
1: do, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, that
0: was the first game where the first ever all female crew, yes. both on camera, behind the camera. Uh, uh, A.J. Molesco, Kate Scott, and Kendall uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, who's now working for the Blackhawks uh, in the, in the front office. Uh, they were they were the first all female crew to do uh, to call an NHL game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major League Baseball will. We'll uh, make history as yes, they'll be uh, they'll uh, uh, do an all-female uh, broadcast this coming Tuesday at 6:15 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube, and that's the game between the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. And calling the game will be Miss Melanie Newman, the the Orioles regular radio play-by-play for since a year ago. She'll team up with Sarah Langs and Alana Rizzo, who used to be the Dodgers. Uh, Field reporter, she's back with the MLB Network now. She'll do uh, the on-field reporting. Heidi White, uh, Watney, and Lauren Garner, both from the MLB Network, will handle both the pre- and post-game show duties. Lakina, this is not me being being just cheerful just to do it. I'm not a salesman. I'm not a politician. I'm not a liar. But I'm really looking forward to this. And it looks like MLB has gotten it right. Uh, or at least uh, hiring a crew that are credible women. They're, they know what they're doing. They, they have credits to their name. So I'm really looking forward to how they present this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you know, they've got like, you know, great, you know, women who are really good at what they do, you know, like I said, like I said, mm-hmm. some of them have, are, are, do you work for the MLB Network? So it's not like, you know, these girls mm-hmm. don't, these, at least I should say not girls, they're most of them about my age, you know, know what they're doing. So like <laughs> I said, like I said, you know, good, good for them. I, mean, I think that, look, there are a lot of great, credible women, you know, Kate Scott's going to be doing a college football game of the week with Mike Golick, you know, on, I believe mm-hmm. Leaf, um, IMB Leaf. Leaf guard, I think. I think that's. I think I want to make sure I get the uh, the network right. But yeah, so look, I think look, we we know how to do stuff. <laughs> so we know how to do play by play. We know mm-hmm. how to do analyst work. I mean, look, we might we might be seeing some of this in the NFL this year, maybe even college football. So I I think look, I think that these leagues are realizing that yeah, you know, women deal, we're pretty good at this stuff too. So especially if you get like really, yeah, especially if you get like you know women who have been doing it for years. So. You know, I think that, look, this is probably going to be something you're going to be seeing, you know, maybe not, maybe a little bit more frequently that it won't be weird, you know, for some people, but, you know, I I like it. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be checking it out, and, you know, look, I'm sure it's going to be a a really great broadcast.
0: Uh, Yeah, help me um, with my memory, Keenan. I think the NBA did it a few years ago, if if not Uh, If not, just uh, let me know. I think they tried to do it a few years ago. If not, they should do it. But the NFL should do it for sure because you have a lot of female fans that watch football. I'm not talking about just wives uh, with their husbands who are football fans. We have a lot of hardcore female football fans as well, whether they're married or not, whether they have children or not. So the NFL hasn't done it yet. I think the NBA has always tried before. You know, of course, they have regular analysts, but I don't think they have done an all-female crew yet. I'm talking about the NBA. Not yet. Uh, I know the NFL hasn't done it yet. Those two leagues need to start doing it.
1: Didn't Amazon, when they were doing the, um, the games of the week, wasn't um, – who was doing it? I think Andrea Kramer, I think Hannah Storm, were doing it. They had an all-female uh, play-by-play. I think they did that last last couple of seasons, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, you're correct, Bunch. You said so they need to put it on a major network. Yeah, so yeah I was they haven't I, done The major it network, that's what yeah, I'm saying. You're so, correct on that as far as Amazon Prime. We'll, we have some news on them in just a minute. But, yeah, you're right as far as those two doing it. But I need to see it on NBC, Fox, and CBS so more people can watch it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, you're you're right about that. And I think, yeah. And hopefully with the sex of this like maybe they will. Maybe the, the the bigger networks will do that. I think I think maybe with streaming I think it's probably it may be easier for people to accept. I think that's probably why we haven't seen on a major network yet. You know, of course, yeah, you know, look I, I don't know what people's problems are, but you know but I guess in in the streaming world it's mm-hmm. a lot more acceptable. But, you know.
0: Speaking of Amazon, uh, Amazon becomes the first exclusive home for, of Thursday Night Football with the 2022 season. But with that exclusivity also comes with the burden of producing the NFL Thursday Night telecast itself. According to the New York Post Andrew Marchand, Amazon is working on a deal with NBC to produce its Thursday Night Football package. The partnership would be a three-year agreement with Amazon having an option to extend the deal to five years. NBC running the Amazon streaming broadcast will put Sunday Night Football executive producer Fred Gard- Gardelli in charge of the operation. And it might also allow up, up to a couple of Amazon's announcer fantasies to be fulfilled. The hope that the that NBC's involvement will result in Al Michaels calling play-by-play for the Thursday night broadcast. As reported in June, the veteran announcer uh, Am- uh, is Amazon's first choice for the job. Would Michaels be willing to call two games per week since, since it would be the final year of his NBC contract, perhaps retirement. Perhaps he would will be willing to go out on a higher and larger workload. And with Michaels in the booth, maybe just maybe Amazon and NBC could break through with an enticed payment to finally take a game analyst gig at the years of being pursued by ESPN for Monday Night Football and CBS and Fox at the time as possible replacement for Tony Romo before Romo agreed to that big-time deal. As part of the Amazon Thursday night package, could be Maria Taylor, who's reportedly on his verge of joining NBC after her ESPN contracts expired uh, next week in the conclusion of the NBA finals. Could either, uh, could either be the sideline reporter or perhaps pre- and post-game host for the telecast. According to Front Office Sports' Michael McCarthy, Taylor's deal with NBC could be non-exclusive agree- agreement, which would allow her to work on the Amazon broadcast. For the past three seasons, Fox And the NFL Network have produced Thursday night broadcasts with a simulcast streaming on Amazon, as you mentioned with Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer, along with alternate fields, including including the the ladies I just mentioned. But with Amazon taking over uh, Thursday night football exclusively next season, the streaming platform will obviously want to make a splash with established broadcast talent that could attract more viewers and demonstrate that it's primetime production despite not being on network or cable television. Like, as we as we said before, uh, the way that we watch our sports, uh, by the way, it's just TV and radio, is not just the only two options anymore. There's more money being put in streaming, so people want and need options, especially in this digital era that we're living in right now. And this is just another prime example.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean... Look, if, if Amazon does get the, the Sunday ticket, you know, there's some rumors that they might get that, so, I, you know, that's going to be a very interesting uh thing here, and as far as, you know, the Thursday night, I know that they've been, <clears throat> if you're Al Michaels, I mean, look you're, look, you're 78, you're still, you know, very sharp, you're still very, you know, quick-witted, so do you want to do a full workload? I I don't know, I mean, you know, the, and we know that this is the last, I think this year, I believe, is the last coming season, the last season of his contract, so...
0: Yeah, and plus they get the Super Bowl this season, yeah, so, so that, that could just, be his last game before yeah. Mike R- Tirico takes over.
1: Yeah, so if you if that's the if says that's the case, I mean, do you really want to have this heavy workload? I don't know if he wants to do that. So, especially with the Delta mm-hmm. variant and stuff, it's still COVID, you know, so it's like so they may want to limit his travel. So, mm-hmm. I I don't know if he wants to do that. We'll see. Um, look, as far as you know, Peyton Manning, I know they've been people have been years been trying to get you know, I know CBS tried to get him before they got Tony Romo, I'm sure. I think Fox mm-hmm. has tried to get him before ESPN, has been You're right? And pleading for him to you know do Monday Night Football. What makes Amazon think that they're especially they can get him to do it? I mean, that's I think he likes to do yeah. what he's doing now, so I don't think they're gonna be able to do that. So, I mean. I don't know. And as far as you know, the other stuff, I mean, Maria Maria Taylor, I think we're going to talk about, well, I guess what we'll say. I mean, if she doesn't end up going to NBC and, you know, Amazon could also be part of that deal. I mean, and, and look, I mean, she wasn't going to get Stephen A. Smith's money. He's been there longer. So, you know, yeah. $8 million, yes, it's asinine, but it is what it is. And plus, you know, you, you turned down the raise when some of your colleagues, you know, were being, you know, shoved out the door or were asked to hey, pay cuts. Look, you know, look, Maria Taylor is great, but, you know, Unfortunately, you got to play a little bit smarter. So I don't know what her people were thinking allegedly. So I don't know, but look, you get Cassie Hubbard to take over that spot, you know, on game day and on you know, the Saturday night football, the primetime time coverage, the game of the week, if you will. Maybe Malika Andrews could probably, perhaps, maybe make play for that spot too. So. <laughs> I, I don't know, but again, there's still, like I said, there's so much stuff going on in the sports media, especially this time of year, since everything started to take yeah. shape. But it's just hilarious and it, it's fascinating to follow, Sid.
0: <laughs> it is fascinating to follow, especially in an industry like this that we're um, breaking through and we're trying to put our mark. And everybody's trying to put their mark if you're working in this industry. So we got to follow the trends and follow what's going on. Let's take this 22nd timeout as you're listening to the weekend edition of Sega City Sports along with Lakinda McGee. I am Cindy Brown. Stay tuned for more sports and more fun. When we return, we'll preview game five and review game four of the NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns with our uh, astute panel. Who are they? You'll have to stay tuned. More of the weekend edition of Sega City Sports after this. Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with LaKeena McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly <laughs> on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D eight zero. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. And you
1: can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena Oscar McGee on the IG.
0: You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports. Sports First, right here on YouTube at War Media, once again at WARR Media. The, our videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch the audio version of this podcast that's at War on Anchor. We're available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box on those podcast platforms, WARR on Anchor. You can also go to our website, weareregoradio.com, for more information. And you can follow us on all social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Excuse me. Once again, at WARR Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support.
1: Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends.
0: And we have very definite opinions <laughs> as we kick off the second half of Second City Sports. Pardon my, oh, uh, Baldwin Davis, for those of you old school TV fans for good times. That's all, hopefully the last time I'll remind you, young folks, about that. <laughs> but move on. <laughs> we'll, we'll kick off our second half of this program by uh, previewing game five between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. But well, first, we'll review uh, the traumatic uh, uh series, uh, game four of that series between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns by bringing on our uh, uh, d- diversified panel. You know them. You love them. First up from our uh, uh, our good friend and teammate at War Media. He covers everything, basketball, social issues. The, the young man does everything. Uh, not to say this, don't take this the wrong way, Josh. He is the next Tony Gill. He's going to blow <laughs> blow up and blow in more memorial spots. Please welcome the great Mr. Joshua M. Hicks. Hey, Sir, how are you?
2: Sid Lakina. Glad to be back on board. I'm not taking offense at it at all because Tony Gill set the standard pretty high. So I gotta I gotta match that and more. So I appreciate uh, you know, being around company as great as that. But no. All is well, hope all the same to you guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. And of course, last but definitely not least, she's the only Miami Heat fan left in Chicago. She is the queen <laughs> of five reasons sports. She is a basketball blogger and she's a Phoenix Suns fan, at least in this series, by the way. She's For those of you in Heat Nation that want to get upset, don't do it. No. Of course, I'll come after you. <laughs> but let's please welcome our good friend of the program, Miss Alana Takauer. Yeah. Alana, welcome back to the show. How are you?
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to talk some ball. There's a lot going on lately, so. Yes,
0: there's a lot going on. Let's get to it. Uh, Of course, now um, this best of seven series of the 2021 NBA Finals is tied up at two games apiece. At the the Milwaukee Bucks had a come from behind victory uh, last Wednesday with a 109-103 victory. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Chipped in with 26 points with 14 rebounds and 8 assists. Devin Booker bounced back from a terrible game three and had a game-high 42 points. Guys, it was a uh, tight contest in the first half. Phoenix Suns took over in the third quarter, but Milwaukee Bucks made a run in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul, for the second straight game, did not have his greatest moments. He turned the ball over in key situations, and now the Phoenix Suns, they were the uh, over overwhelming favorites to win the title. Now the best series, series, as I mentioned, is tied up at two games apiece. Josh, I'll start with you. Um, uh, what's gone wrong for Phoenix outside of Chris Paul? What's gone right for the Milwaukee Bucks?
2: I think it's just a, the, the shifting of the power for the most part. I mean, at the end of the day, Phoenix is being Phoenix because they play hard. They play consistent. They've been knocking down the three as, as much as we can think of. And mm-hmm. the coach, Monty Wilson, has been making coaching adjustments. Um, it just wasn't Phoenix's night. And I think the key expat to this thing was the, was the Chris Paul effect. We haven't – Chris Paul just was not himself these past couple of games. You have to wonder, you know, since he is up in age and he is playing deeper into the playoffs, which he is not accustomed to doing, um, mm-hmm. plus COVID, you have to wonder if some of this is fatigue or mental, or mental lapses here and there because these men making turnovers, you know me, doesn't make been a little careless with the ball. Hasn't been shooting effectively well either these past couple games. So you have to just – you wonder what's going on with Chris Paul and everything, but overall, Phoenix, I think, is okay. It's glad to see Devin Booker bounce back the way that he did with a monster 42-point 40, performance. Um, so to see that for Phoenix is encouraging. I just think they just got to just keep with it. It's a grind. So you're in the playoffs. It's a different situation for both teams. So I think they're just filling out what it's really, truly like to be in the playoffs. Milwaukee, for the most part – Giannis um, is still being Giannis so that's a given right but the best <laughs> yeah. thing, I think the best thing about that or the encouraging component is you've seen the rise of Chris Middleton especially in key moments um, Chris Middleton is showing that you know, although Giannis is supposedly the face of the franchise and the main guy when it, when it matters most this team does not succeed without Chris Middleton playing at an elite level that we know he has the capability of doing and he has been doing that the past couple of games at home and I'm still waiting for Drew Holiday to show up I mean, Drew Holiday is, you know, he's, the, he's been play, playing great defensively against Chris Paul, um, that, and whoever he's – other assignments he's assigned to, whether it is Devin Booker or, or McHale Bridges, whoever the case may be, he has showed up defensively. Well, Offensively, he's had, a, he's had his lapses. He hasn't been consistent. So I'm waiting to see if Drew Holiday is going to come back in that offensive form that we know he's been playing great in the, uh, throughout these playoffs so far. If the Bucks can get that, that highly increases their chance of really taking over this team to the next level. The problem is, though, now you got, what, three more games, two of them going to be in Phoenix? Can you win on the road? Um, that's that's going to be the next question, which the Bucks have shown that, you know, they don't play their best on the road and are not, we're not capable so far of playing on the road in this series. So those are, are going to be the next big things. But I think it's just honestly just the grind of the playoffs is what we're experiencing, and players that have never been to the finals before adjusting to what that really looks like.
3: Alana? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I tweeted this out. It kind of seemed like, you know, nerves were getting into CP3 a little bit. Um, Obviously, he's a pro, and that's not something um, that should be happening. But at the end of the day, there is a lot riding on this. This is the first chance that he's gotten to go this deep. Um, And I think that, you know, not only mentally, but the physical component of it, to your point, to get to the finals, it is a grind, and that takes out of a person um i think you know the covid situation we didn't really get confirmation on how bad that was or the extent of that. Um, but I would be shocked if it didn't play a role. And we also have to remember his hand isn't completely fine either. Um, I don't know if any of you have kind of picked up on it, but there are times when he's grabbing his hand pretty visibly. Um, and again, I'm not making excuses. You have to push through It is the playoffs and you, you are being counted on as that veteran guy. Um, but I, I'm not necessarily worried. I would have loved a sweep personally because I, and honestly, this is not only because of what they did to the Heat. The Bucks are just very unlikable to me. I like the individual <laughs> players here and there. Um, I have all the respect in the world for Giannis. I really actually like Holiday Middleton. I know a lot of Heat fans don't like him. I have no problem with him. But as a unit, I just don't find them likable. And I don't understand people who root for them, to be honest. Um, so I'm just here pulling <laughs> for the Suns. Hopefully they can get this done. I said Suns and Six. So it's still, I mean... I didn't expect the sweep. It just would have been nice. <laughs>
0: she's worse than me, Lakina. I just don't like uh, Mike Bunos. She she uh, she dislikes the whole damn franchise in town.
1: <laughs> it's it's a it's a rivalry thing, I like guess, you know, with the uh, Chicago, is, you know, Milwaukee. Like yeah. you know, no 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 success for any for any pro team in Wisconsin. But uh, but you know, the the supporting cast for both these teams, you know, they've had you know their various you know moments. You know, both the Cams on, on the Phoenix, you know, Cam Johnson campaign. You know, probably could have done more in game four, you know, to help out CP3. And also to, but then Bobby Portis actually has been doing some things. You know, Pat Collins had hit some couple of big shots, you know, to get the, uh, put the game away for Milwaukee. Alana, I'll start with you. Can, who, you know, who has the advantage of other supporting cast? And can, you know, can the supporting cast kind of keep up?
3: Um, I mean, I have to give them props to your point. I think a lot of guys on the books have been stepping up. Um, I am not a Portis fan at all. So that is hard for me to, to swallow. There's some people in Miami that want him and I'm like, they stay away as far as possible. Um, but I will say, I think, you know, maybe not so much in the series so far, but I, I do think that the Suns supporting cast is strong. Um, what campaign has been able to do this season, I don't think anyone expected out of him, especially I know we were kind of scarred here in Chicago with what showed up. Um, at that point, so I mean, he needs to definitely be give, be given props. Um, I think it's just a matter of kind of getting their heads in the game and and having a well rounded effort. It's great that Book was able to bounce back, um, but especially if CP three is struggling, they're going to need more. Josh,
2: yeah, yeah, I agree with all the points you just said, and we have to remind And when we talk about these things, we have to be mindful of the fact that the Phoenix Suns are a relatively young team. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker is only want to say twenty seven something along those lines um, cam johnson he's a he's, he's a rookie this he's a, you know i think he's a rookie this past year or a second year player so you know there's a lot of young players that are playing high quality minutes and high quality time and even though they are they've been working themselves out and they have, they're around veteran leadership you know you're talking about your first couple years in the league and your first mate and your first real major chance to go to a playoff It's not just a regular first or second round exit. You're talking about the NBA finals. That's your biggest stage. Um, So these young guys, even though they may not have been performing at the rate that we know they can, you know, they're also getting their feet wet because this is the experience that they never had before compared to the Milwaukee Bucks, where even though there are some guys on that Bucks team that have never made the finals, there's a lot more veteran leadership on that side. Um, But to me, the Suns have the most talent. So the Suns have the most talent. You would hope that with the coaching staff that they have, the veteran coaching staff that's there, um, between Monty Williams, Willie Green, who is, who is now in charge or in the front lines to really sign that contract with the Pelicans as the next head coach. Um, so major prop to him. But I think Phoenix has more of the actual overall component. Of really taking this to the next level, and like you mentioned before, campaign he might be champagneing in a little bit, depending on how <laughs> soon they, they, they win this championship, um, which is something we never thought we'd expected in Chicago. But you know, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, I love Mikael Bridges. I wish the Bulls drafted him so bad. <laughs> but Mikael <laughs> Bridges, like that, that, that that he's the perfect component of what it means to be a three and D guy in this league, and he's about to get paid next summer, and he's it's, sh- it's shown throughout these playoffs. And I think the uh, the Jay Crowder addition was a very underrated, but yet smart addition to that team, especially since, sorry, Alana, he left for Miami that Heat hurt. last year. That one,
3: <laughs> <hurt>. <laughs> one day I don't think about the fact that we let him walk away.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I, that, that that definitely hurts for, for Miami Heat fans, but it shows for Phoenix fans. It, it shows that what, what he really brings to the table. And having that along your perimeter, you know, really helps set the tone for this Phoenix uh, roster overall. So, and I, I think eventually, you know, the Phoenix Suns will pull through. I've always said uh, from the beginning, they'll be Suns in seven. Um, just because both teams play great at home and they're both um, you know, very young first experiences on both ends. So I'm I've given the Suns that edge because of the home court. But yeah, I think at this point, like you just like you mentioned, Lakina, it's about these these bench players. Coming in and really getting their feet wet and settling into what's really been asked of them at the highest level, which is something that not that we know for a fact they're not fully uh, accustomed to.
1: Also, too, Devin Booker is only twenty-four. So twenty-four. Ooh, yes. I gave
2: him I gave him close to me. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> He's been around a while, though.
1: He's been twenty-four. For a few years. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Sid.
0: You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with, with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We are joined by an illustrious panel of NBA experts, Alana Techauer and Joshua M. Hicks, discussing the 2021 NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Alana, I'll start with you with this next question. Of course, uh, for a championship team, you need guys to bring that energy, to bring that hustle, especially coming off the bench. Talk to us about, about Pat Connington from the Milwaukee Bucks. In game four, in 32 minutes of actually he had 11 points. At times, he's been Milwaukee's best player at times outside of Giannis. But talk to us about Mr. Connington and his impact on the Milwaukee Bucks, because we all know they don't have that much talent outside that starting five.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with the Bucks is that you never know what you're gonna get from most of the guys. Um, I think you can generally count on Giannis, and Middleton has had his struggles, but overall, I do feel like he's a reliable, you know, figure for them. But outside of that, um, I- Guys just aren't consistent. Um, And what's been interesting, I think, in these finals is, okay, you can say from one game to another the inconsistency um, because you're playing a different team. You're figuring out both offensively and defensively what you need to do. But you're in the series with the same team. And so by now, I think guys should have a good handle on what the Suns are about, um, and especially if CB3 is not performing uh, to his full potential. So I don't know. Connington, I think he has – potential to step up for them I just personally wouldn't count on that to show up every night um, and I think that has been a problem from Milwaukee Josh
2: well well I mean hey Connaughton can shoot in three but what else can he give you right he, he's, he's not he, he, he knows how to fit his role but when his role isn't amplified he he, he shrinks Um, And that's the reality of what he's shown throughout this series. If he can't make a three-point jump shot and he's struggling to stay in front front of you defensively, he's not going to last too long out there on the court. Um, So he needs to step up not just offensively but defensively as well because at the end of the day, Giannis himself was literally an extra move or extra tweak from that knee away from being out of these playoffs Mm -hmm. in the last series. And that was him not just going offensively, but playing defense, which is his specialty. Um, we can't, we, the Bucks can't rely on Giannis to save them every time, you know, in, in defensively like that. And with that knee it should be should be a sign of that. I'm glad Giannis is okay, but that's the reality that the Bucks are in. So because of that, someone like a Connaughton who's going to be playing consistent minutes off the bench. Then needs to show up on not just offensively but defensively. He has to help fill that voice so that way that defense could be much more set and much more profound compared to what we're accustomed to seeing. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't trust Connerton either. Um, mm-hmm. I don't trust a lot of the Bucks guys. I barely, I don't even trust the coach. So if I can't trust the coach, I don't think
3: anyone him. does. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh no, No, no. So, I yeah, saying. I think
2: Milwaukee's <laughs> been living on a prayer as of recent. You know, with everything going on, but you know, he 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 has the opportunities to play those roles. He got to step up in ways that he that, that we're not accustomed to him seeing, or for him to have a chance.
1: Well, real quick though, before we move on to your other basketball related stuff, of oh, that block that Giannis made on, on Booker. You know, to kind of seal the win. Everyone's now saying that it's the the best block you know ever in NBA Finals history. When people <laughs> forget that just a few years ago, and it was a Game Seven, mind you, which actually won a championship. Of course, LeBron blocked Iggy. Of course, you know the complete that you know the Cavs come back against the Warriors. So, you know, quick, I'll Josh, I'll start with you. Is the honest block you know the best ever in NBA Finals history? You know, preserve the moment portion of the no. program. Go ahead. No
2: please no
1: (laughs) No. you sound like me josh you sound like me
2: (laughs) no i mean yes it's it's a heck of a play of course but come on now like you you're blocked you are seven one going up against a seven foot center on an alley you you have a good chance okay like you don't have to run down nowhere you ain't got to chase anybody down. You're right at the basket, right next to right next to your opponent, and you can just block this. You can just block it. You have the same chance. So yes, heck of a block. But come on now, I, I'll even go. I mean, I'm gonna give a shout out to Miami fans. I'd rather go with Bam Adebayo's block
1: mm-hmm.
2: compared yeah, to another
1: good one. Yeah. Compared
2: to that mm-hmm. one, because Bam Adebayo literally had his whole wrist bent in the rim mm-hmm. before he before he, you know, with his opposite hand. Before he knocked that out. So I'd rather go with that. And obviously you can't compare that to what LeBron did. Because LeBron was just legendary. You really can't touch (laughs) that. But talking about the best block in the world. Okay, stop overreacting. Just relax. You know, this is the finals, <laughs> but come on now. Let's, let's not get carried away here. Like, let's bring the real, let's bring it back to reality. Wow, you know, wow. take take your drink. I don't care what you drink. This is water for me right now. But y'all
1: have to drink <laughs> <take> y'all
2: <laughs> You know, and, and relax, chill out, and sit back and just watch the, and watch the finals for something actually that legendary to happen. Because heck of a play, but you talking about making it the best of the best? the best?
1: and the best might be yet to come. <laughs> The best might
3: be yet to come, Alana. Yeah, I mean, NBA fans have such short-term memory. It's wild. It's like anything that happened a season ago just doesn't exist. Um, I think to your point, I was going to say the same thing. Like, you better be blocking that. That should not be that hard for you to do. I will say the fact that Giannis came back from the knee injury he did in the way he did is yeah. extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it speaks right. to... Whatever the Bucks medical staff did, I think it speaks to him taking care of his body. But short of that, like, it was great. But honestly, Precious Achua, and I'm not just saying this because he was, you know, I understand he's on the heat, but his block on KD the other day when Nigeria oh, yeah. played Team USA, that was more impressive to me than what Giannis yeah. did. So I don't know. I think to your point, everyone needs to settle down and just enjoy the finals for what they are.
0: Uh, speaking of big bass now we get into our Game 5 preview, which takes uh, Game 5 will take place Saturday night at 8 o'clock on ABC. Uh, the Game game 5 will be in Phoenix. Speaking of the big man, Josh, I'll start with you. DeAndre Ayton, as uh, Alana just mentioned a moment ago, he had six, 16 rebounds and 6 points in Game 4. He had a double-double in Game 3, but he was in early foul trouble. Uh, it's safe to say that uh, Ayton has been struggling these last two games. Uh, heading to Game 5, do you expect – Uh, Aiden struggles to continue, or do you expect him to figure it out and turn it around since he'll be on home court?
2: I expect him to figure it out and turn it around. Um, I actually expect the same thing out of Chris Paul as well. Um, What what really helped elevate DeAndre Aiden's game is the play of Chris Paul, especially when it comes to that pick and roll situation. Um, I just think that DeAndre Aiden is still trying to get his feet wet against what it really means to play against big men that are just that are, that are not just talented offensively, but as agile defensively as he is. Um, Giannis is on a whole nother level when you talk about both ends on the floor. And when they're guarding each other, you know, that's an assignment that he's not accustomed to. So I believe he's still trying to get acquainted with that, especially on the road, your nerves, you know, your first finals and everything. But if you watch that video of what Monty Williams encouraging him in game two and and encouraging him to to keep pushing, to be better, to continue to do the things that he's doing and help elevate his confidence, elevate his game uh, in that video, to have that on your sideline 24-7 along with a Chris Paul that's doing the same thing, along with a young leader that you can relate with and Devin Booker doing the same thing, his mind's going to be right. His mind's going to be right. He's going to be set. I think he's going to make a big performance and uh, a big a big double double profound performance in game 5. I won't even, I would not be surprised if he goes like 25 and 15. I would not be surprised at all.
3: Alana? Yeah, I think the bounce back is coming. Um I think that a lot of his struggle lately has probably been because of Chris Paul um and it's not great that, you know, his entire game is relying on him and I don't necessarily even think that's the case, but I do think they have built kind of such a chemistry, um, both on, on the court and off, that I think some of what Chris Paul is doing in terms of, um, you know, him not being as as good of a playmaker lately has probably impacted Aiden. Um, but I mean, I, I do think the bounce back is coming. I think they play much better at home. I think they're going to adjust properly. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that he has the full support of not only Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but Monty fully believes in him. And I think that means the world. Um, I think it's just a matter of, it's a grind. It's the playoffs. They were on the road and they are young. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not worried at all.
1: Um. Do you think whoever wins game five, Alana, I'll start with you. Do you think whoever wins game five will win the series? About 72%, I think, in the finals. Whoever, whenever the series tied two or wins game five, ends up winning it all.
3: So do you guys think that's the case this year? I, and I have gotten so much hate for this, I'm still looking at this year as an asterisk, and I'm not trying to say that what's accomplished this year isn't worth celebrating and is meaningless, but so many weird things have happened that if, if anything were to be out of the ordinary, it would be this season. So even though the odds aren't great, I don't necessarily think that this season in particular we should be listening to statistics. Josh?
2: I think it depends on who wins game five. If you're talking about Phoenix winning game five, I trust them a lot more to win game six because they've done it before. They've done it in, against the Clippers in the last series um, to seal the deal. So I can trust Phoenix going on the road and getting a game, getting a game six after coming back from from home court. You talking about Milwaukee? I have no faith in all they're gonna do that. If they win game five, and I know Phoenix is gonna bounce back like they did, starting and like the start they did in game four. So, I, I, I if Phoenix wins, yeah, it's I think it's a done deal in six. But if Milwaukee wins, yeah, we're going to seven. I I, I believe it's gonna to go to seven, and I believe that you know this is going to be the best of the best is going to come down to that coaching staff who coaches the most while executing it. And we all know Fina's got the best coach between out of the two. So that's who I'm trusting right now. So forget the mods. I'm trusting, I'm trusting them coaches right now, and the coaching staff and how they, how they get these, uh, these boys ready to play.
0: We're at the halfway point of our NBA Power Hour right here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, I'm Sydney Byrne. We're joined by illustrious NBA panel Joshua M. Hicks and Alana Tackauer. Guys, let's bring it home first as we turn our attention to other NBA news. Let's bring it home to Chicago. Josh, I'll start with you. Uh, Lonzo Ball, he's a restricted free agent, I believe, this summer. Uh, If you looked around social media for the last few weeks, he's changed his jump shot again. So it looks like the New Orleans Pelicans – Don't want him back, even though they're going to bring on another new head coach. Uh, Some people say Chicago may be a destination. Uh, Listening to uh, Los Angeles sports radio over the last 24, 48 hours, uh, it it seems to me that they want Alonzo Ball back, but I don't know if LeBron James and his camp wants him back. Well, I'll start with you, Josh. And I know some people want uh, Mr. Ball to go to New York to play for the Knicks. Josh, I'll start with you. Where do you think Alonzo 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 balls the mm-hmm. game fits best? Where do you think he'll land?
2: Oof. that's a good question for me because a part of me really does want to say come to Chicago. I really do. Yeah. Um, but another part of me is also like, if no one else fails, I can see him thriving in New York with the Knicks. Um, Chicago specifically because. Because Chicago Bulls, they lack a point guard that is versatile, especially defensively. Lonzo Ball and his wingspan, and it's, and it's known for being a defensive point guard, can bring that versatility where Zach Levine doesn't have to guard the best player every night, especially when you have Patrick Williams on the other side. Um, you're, that, you're talking about a perimeter defense that can stick, that can really hold. Offensively, it works in Billy Donovan's system because he is a pass-first <laughs> point guard. He is also someone that is, great at, that is great at screen and role play. And on top of that, even though he's not the best shooter, the fact that he can has an improved jump shot and did shoot 40% from three last year on more than 100 attempts, that's a, that's a promising sign that even though he may not have the best jump shot in the world, he's willing to take the shots when he needs to take them. And for the most part, you have a, a better chance than previous with other point guards that you have had to actually make those shots. So to combine all of that together, it's an ideal fit for him to pair against Zach Levine in that backcourt. However, New York, they got the best team success with the talent that's currently there, and they have the head coach in Tom Thibodeau that can speak Lonzo Ball's lingo. When especially when you talk about the defense, especially when you talk about defensively, you're talking about a fast break um, with Julius Randle on one side, Lonzo Ball, and potentially, potentially another superstar coming to New York, depending, because they got the cap space to get one. Mm-hmm. If that really goes through with this new front office, and which, things, which seems to be more and more promising by the, by the day, I also, also have some talent to really play with. Um, so I think it can work in both situations. Um, and, and, not, and not to mention how, uh, with the draft taking place, a recent report that came out about Detroit and the pellet, about Detroit being torn on who to pick. And with the number one draft and the Pelicans and the Rockets and all these, all those different teams are reaching out to them to figure out about getting that first pick. You're talking about the Pelicans. If they get the number one pick pairing Cade Cunningham with Zion Williamson, that's, that's a nasty – that's a nasty duel to, 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 to think about putting together, and that's automatically going to put Lonzo Ball in the backseat and really the reason why they won't even sign him back. The Bulls are willing to pay the price. We know the Knicks have the money to pay the price. Those are the two teams I would really look out for the most. And even though LeBron says, you know, many be saying, like, I don't want him back. We have to remind ourselves, LeBron, Lonzo Ball and LeBron are really, really close. They are cool. Mm-hmm. That's why they have the same agency. That's how Lonzo Ball got put on the clutch, is through LeBron. So um, I want to count on an L.A. reunion, per se, even though I do think it's far-fetched. Um, but for me, ideally, the Bulls and the Knicks are the ideal teams I feel like he can really thrive in the most.
3: Alana? Um, it's tough because I do actually think that Lonzo would work pretty well in the bulls current system. Um, I think especially next to, to Levine and taking a little bit of um, the pressure off of him that way. Um, I think the pass first mentality is important to, to remember too, even though I do want him to keep improving his shooting. Um, I don't think that he should be boxed into one of those situations where he's never going to look, he's never going to be looked at as a scorer. Um, with that said, do I think that him and Thibodeau could be a really good pairing? Yes. Um, I think that's the type of coach he does need. Um, I think in terms of what he wants it, it, I'm not sure what to think of him anymore when he came into the league. And I know some of this was kind of connected to his family. It seemed like he wanted to be, you know, the star on the team and kind of want to be given that preferential treatment in terms of kind of being the go-to guy and the number one. And I don't think that's still the case that's going to work on on the bulls um i don't think that's the kind of guy that they're looking for however he does seem to have been toned down since then um i think his dad has chilled out a little bit um so i don't know i think the fact that you know he has been linked to the bulls for the better part of this entire season i know during trade you know talks that was also the point the fact that that hasn't died down to me does signify something um, I don't think I would really believe much in him heading back to Los Angeles. So I do think it would be between New York and Chicago. Um, but I'm, I'm down for him to come to Chicago. I think give him a chance.
1: Yeah.
3: I think a lot of, like a lot of Bulls fans wouldn't mind that at all. So another
1: sort of potential trade, um, Damian Lillard, um, apparently has requested a trade, uh, uh, allegedly and apparently his top four in no order, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Knicks, and the Heats. So, Alana, I'll start with you. I know how I, I think I know how you feel about it, but how, <laughs> do you think Dave will get traded? And if so, where?
3: Yeah, I do think he'll get traded. Um, I think that, you know, he he's definitely a loyal guy, but at the end of the day, he, he wants to win as well. Um, I think. Honestly, it seems like Miami does have a pretty good chance. Obviously, it's going to take the right pieces. um, And I'll be honest, right now, I think Miami is in a position where anything could happen. Um, They're... Every day, there's new reports of who's staying and who's going. Um, and in a way, that's good because there's options. But on the other hand, it makes it kind of difficult to realistically know, you know what the future is going to look like there. Um, I think it's great that he's spending time with Bam Adebayo on the Olympic team. I think they can kind of talk <laughs> and see what's going on there. Um, so I, I would do, honestly, whatever it took to get Dame in Miami. Um, so obviously, I'm biased, but that is my preference there.
1: <laughs> and that would make Matt, our buddy Matt Peck, would not be in the very good mood if that happened. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I, maybe that'd be a bonus. Who knows, Josh?
2: <laughs> yeah, you can never count on Miami. Pat Riley always got something up his sleeve, man. So you never, so you can't, you can't pass nothing up Miami, especially with Jimmy Butler there, Bam, like I said, Bam Adebayo is there, and there, um, you know, the Olympic team is there. So I'm, I'm not gonna put it past, past, um, past Miami to at least really go heavy at the offer. Um, I'm actually kind of co-different on this, though, I mean, especially because of Damian Lillard as a whole. I actually think he ends up staying. Um, and I think he ends up staying because he wants to give the franchise at least one more chance to get it right, um, especially now that you hire Chauncey Billups as your head coach, who is someone that he highly respects. Um, so to have Chauncey Billups there, to be able to see him put together the, staff that he, the coaching staff that he wants I think he's going to give Billups a chance. That being said, if he changes his mind and really does submit this trade request to get out of there and, and Portland actually honors it. I think the only one, of the only places I really see him going outside of the Knicks, of course, because it's, it's a big market and hit and they have the cap space to swallow up his contract. I think he goes back home to Golden state. The only, and the reason why is because Golden state has the picks. They have James Wiseman to trade along with them to, to eat up that salary cap space, and that will put them in the best chance, best chance to win right now in a winning culture, as well as be the future when it's time for Stephen Clay and Draymond to go. And there is one Warrior that's on that USA team that's been doing that can do some recruiting down there too, and Draymond Green, who played an impact in getting Kevin Durant there. So, I think the Warriors may be more of an option than we think. There's been reports that, you know, they've had internal discussions about going after Damian Lillard. Um, and with that fran- with that franchise and that front office being known historically for what they can put together, not just in free agency, but also through the draft and developing the talent through the draft, you got to help Clay Thompson coming back next year. I don't know. I can't put it past them that if Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard being an Oakland guy coming from the Bay – it he may he, 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 he may provide him a chance that he, he can actually come home and play in front of his family while having a chance to win a title. And the Warriors have the packages and the pieces and the cap space, um, pretty much to kind of do it. Because you know Bob Myers will swallow that cap that luxury tax with no problem. So spend that bread. So if he can put it all, together, if they so if he can make that work, I can see him going back home to Golden to State. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of Olympic basketball, of course, this weekend, as of this recording, uh, the Team USA basketball, the, the rematch against Australia has been canceled due to uh, COVID concerns with uh, Bradley Beal, who are not participating in these Olympics. And, of course, for Jeremy Grant, as well, it looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, he looks as of right now, he's going to travel with the team. Josh, I'll start with you. Who's going to replace Bradley Beal on the USA Olympic team? I know there's some people, including our uh, good friend, Big Dave Watson uh, saying that John Morant should be the 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 only guy to replace Bradley Beal. Who's going to replace Mister Beal on the Olympic roster?
2: Ah, oh, man, that's that, that's a tough one. Um, I do like the idea of John Morant. I really do. Um, but there is a another person. Well, obviously Kevin Love is out too have- mm-hmm. for today, so they got to figure out how Kevin Love is. Honestly, I don't even know why he went in the first place. He didn't play all year long. <laughs> um, so I don't. Yeah, I don't get how really, they offered him that opportunity. Question. <laughs> uh, so, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother You need a
0: see your sister your squad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, literally just babysit. Um, so, now that, so obviously you got to replace him. But to replace Bradley Beal, why, last time I checked, there was a guy that just played in the Eastern Conference Finals named Trey Young, who got some, who can easily do what Bradley Beal does, but even do it in a similar role to what maybe Steph Curry did when he was at Team USA. And they had some success out of that. Just saying. So I think Trey Young can be – should be that guy to get the call. Um, He's had a heck of a year, played in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he's always ready to hoop. Not to mention, he did throw some shade at Team USA with that Twitter post uh, of uh, Isaiah Thomas. So, you know, <laughs> I know he's feeling a little salty about that right now.
0: <laughs> um, he's the new Reggie Miller. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. Um,
2: but yeah, I think Trey Young honestly will be a good, a great option for them to, to pick up. So he, 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 he gives them another ball handler. He can run the point um, behind Dame and gets more flexibility from the shooting perspective, especially. And, and quickness. It gives him quickness and agility. He may not have the size, but he brings the outside shooting and scoring when necessary and the ability to set up for other teammates um, and, play, and other playmaking uh, opportunities as well. Plus, his former coach, Lloyd Pierce, is on that bench as well. I'm, it was not rumored that, you know, they had a bad relationship, per se. Um, seemed, so if they can continue to get along and him playing with Pavlovich, I mean, why not? Why not give an opportunity? He's ready to hoop. He's ready to ball. Uh, and he's well deserving of it, so go for
3: it. Alana, um, unless I'm mistaken, though, they already selected I think Keldon Johnson and Javale McGee. I believe so I think
1: you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: I think we're actually we're we capped at that 12 man. Um, I think that was supposed to, to replace Beale and Kevin Love.
2: They brought Shaft and a full Javale.
1: Yeah. 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 That is a, yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm not really sure uh, what is going on. Part of me is wondering if they are running out of people who want to go. Um, You know, at first I was kind of skeptical. Then obviously, you know, Trey Young posted that, which made it seem like he did want to go, but it just seems like some of these selections are coming out of left field. Um, I know there was a little bit of talk around, Um, You know, Duncan Robinson perhaps joining. And again, I don't know if there was actually validity to that or if it was just one of those smoke and mirror type of situations. But yeah, I don't, I'm not sure, to be honest, the Kelvin Johnson pickup doesn't make sense to me either. Um, But I think they're rounded out now at 12. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: believe you're right. And look, JaVale's mom, Pamela, who was part of those USC teams with Cheryl Merrill back in the early 80s. She was on the Olympic team too, so maybe he can bring on the gold like she, she and the that '84 team did. It'll be like
0: 2004; they will bring on a bronze medal. Good grief! Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> we I just gave away a good gold medal. <laughs> I, mean,
1: it's, it's, I mean, look, it's one of those things where I think like the whole thing is going to be kind of like you know, swipe, you know, wiped clean. You know, Grant Hill's going to take over for Jerry Colangelo right after the Olympics. I, you know, a friend of mine said that you know while, you know maybe he should call Jay Wright, Grant does when he takes over, you know, to, to coach the US national team, you know, just to just putting it out there. But um th- th- I don't think there's really no reason that you know the men's team should you know get through the you know the early rounds, no problem they have. I think France and Iran and I think the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. they should be able to get through pool play, no problem. Now, once they get to the knockout rounds, that's probably when we'll start worrying. You know, Kelvin Johnson, Javel McGee. The process is just a little bit weird, but I think I think like you said, Alana, I think it's more because a lot of guys didn't want to go initially. Yeah. So, you know, Steph didn't want to go, um, Clay's hurt, you know, Harden didn't want to go, he's probably probably would have been better off, but that's another story. But um <laughs> you know, but, uh, starting with you, Alana. Um, are you concerned about team USA perhaps maybe getting the goal again?
3: Honestly, they haven't looked great. Um, I know it's been exhibition games and, um, you know, there, there's stuff happening with the roster. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I'm worried, but I'm also not as confident as I was going into it. Um, base should look better for, for the guys that are on that team. Um, with that said, some of the guys had a very, again, shortened off season. Um, it takes time to build chemistry. I don't really know if all of the guys uh, fit into kind of what Pop is trying to do either. He has a very specific system that he uses, uh, and I'm not sure how compatible a lot of the players on Team USA are with his coaching. Um, So I I don't know. At at this point, this is up in the air, and to be honest, um, I... The Olympics in general, I feel like stuff's just going to go wrong. Um, And I I don't want to put like bad juju out there, but COVID is spiking like crazy. Um, It's, I don't think this is going to be the end of replacements, um, whether that be before they get there or after. It's just, it's a tricky situation. Um, I think to your point, they can make it past that first kind of group of, of other teams, but moving forward, I don't know. I mean, even Nigeria looked great. Australia even balled out. Um, There's been some surprises so far.
2: Gosh, I'm more I'm more worried about Zach Levine doing some recruiting and get people to come to Chicago. That's what he. for.
0: <laughs> that, that's, that's
2: what I'm more worried about. Not, don't, don't get recruited. Be the recruiter. Right? Come on, bring the, bring the recruit bring, bring bring people to Chicago. That's what I need you there for. Um, so that's what I'm more worried about. But overall, just about USA in general. Um, I'm not worried right now because this is exhibition play, so I'm not really worried about that right now. However it's the reality is team USA is not as strong as it used to be. And European basketball and international basketball as a whole has improved. So the reality is the USA can't be the top, the, the overbearing top dog anymore. And they're, just, and they're really seeing what that taste, what a taste of that looks like. I don't know if they're going to bring the gold. I think they'll have a, I think they still have a pretty high chance of doing it just because the athleticism that we have on this roster um, combined with the talent it's gonna take some time to gel for sure. Um, but I think we can pull it off. But it's not gonna be like the team use at the USA is of old, where you can blow teams, blow these European teams out by 30, 40 points every game. It's not it's not like that anymore. The competition has improved and USA is not as strong as it used to be because the top the highest of the highest talents are not performing in these in, in, this, in this realm in this So you, it's it's gonna be a lot tougher of a road to win the gold than previous than previous years. However, the new Team USA still has a high chance because of what's of what's already there versus what they're dealing with, although the international competition has
3: improved.
0: Last moment or two with our NBA panel right here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports City. Lakeena with you, our panel is, uh, is joined, uh, joined with our panel is Alana Techauer and Joshua M. Hicks. Last question from me, guys. Alana, I'll start with you. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said uh, a couple of weeks ago before the finals in his uh, annual press conference, uh, he wants the playing tournament to continue next season as we get to, back to the 82-game schedule. For those of you listening exclusively on our podcast, Alana's rolling her eyes, and I enjoy <laughs> in with her in doing that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These players are already tired from an 82-game schedule. You need rest before the playoffs. We know why they're doing it because of money. It worked the last couple of years because it was a shorting season. This season was 72 games in a short amount of days. You started on Christmas Day, but – why bring it back for next season? It doesn't make any sense. I'm like Rob Parker of Fox Sports
3: Radio. Stop it!
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people with you.
3: Yeah, um, I think news just came in that they did agree to extend it, both the yeah. NBA and Players Association, so it's a wrap. Um, I mean, we know why they're doing it. It's just kind of mind-boggling to me how many people actually like it. I think I'm the only person uh, on my network that has fought against this. Um I don't, okay. I, first of all, I think it, it hurts the players to have more games. I think we have gotten an unprecedented amount of injury. uh, And I think even though if we're moving towards a regular season, we can't forget the last two seasons happened. Guys are still trying to recoup from that. um, You know, with the schedule being all crazy in terms of even the draft and when free agency starts this, this summer. Um, So I am not surprised that they extended it. I'm just surprised at how many people are are behind it. Um, I also kind of think, you know, it's it's a little unfair that everything's gonna come down to kind of one game. Um and, and I think I don't I don't know if they're gonna switch up the rules a little bit because I think there was a little bit of a change between last season and this past one in terms of you know the seating and who gets to compete. Um, but I, I mean anything for a buck, right? Mm-hmm, Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We can blame LeBron James and Steph Curry.
3: Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> that was the game that, that the NBA saw was like, ooh, yeah. See, mm-hmm. I told you this would work, right? So um, be, beca- because of that, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's a it's money, money maker. It's a money grabber, yeah. but it gives a false hope that Steph Curry and LeBron James are going to be the seventh and eighth seeds of these playoffs. Um, playing against each other just to fight into a playoff spot, mm-hmm. which is a seller. Like it's not going to be like that every year. So, it, it, this to me, this gives a false illusion or false hope that you know maybe we can have some of those top talents drop down to the lower seeds and they can help boost our ratings that much more and make it and make it worthwhile. When that's not going to be the reality. This is the one. This was a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. se- se- a season opportunity with everything going on. So. It's just to me, it's just some false hope, and I hate that you know they get to say, Well, since we, I just hate that teams in general, if you're trying to recruit, like especially in, in like free agency, where they get to say, Well, we didn't really technically make the playoffs, but since we played in this playing tournament, we're good enough to make the playoffs
1: <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't want to hear that. <laughs>
2: like, you, you didn't make it, you didn't make it, okay? Like, right, so I don't, I, I don't know, all this is just you know. Ugh.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last
1: question for me now. Let's go. Let's you know get back to the Bulls for a second. Um, I just want to see like what do you guys think that the Bulls are gonna do? Like some moves that AK and Mark Eversley are gonna make. You know the Dante Murray who you know plays with Pop in San Antonio. There's some maybe some trade movers perhaps. Maybe you know you know send Lori Market in there. You know, there's some other trades and some other moves that the Bulls might make. Josh, I'll start with you. What what moves do you see that the Bulls can make during the offseason, whether it's, you know, drafting or trades or what have you?
2: I expect Mark Eversley and Arturo Eskarnisivis to evaluate every option possible and to be very strategic with that process. Because Lord knows, we did not expect them to blow up the team at a trade deadline and get Vucevic, and Daniel Theas and all those guys the way that they did, and there was not one peep <laughs> about any of that taking place. They 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 moved in silence, and G's movement sounds like lasagna. So therefore, mm-hmm. um, they, are, they were, we know that they're on some G status, right? They gangster with it. So we gonna I expect them to be gangster with it again this off season, um, in free agency, and, and I think especially in free agency, um, I think they're gonna look at Dennis Schroeder who was an open uh, option for the for the Bulls. I don't like the idea, but you know. They'll, they'll I like don't it. either.
0: He's he's the older version no. of Kobe White. Thank no.
2: you. Yeah, no. yeah. I, I'm not a fan of it, but I know they will look – I have a feeling they will look into it. They're going to definitely look into Alonzo Ball. Um, you know, they'll evaluate all types of situations. I wouldn't even be surprised, honestly, if they maybe even look into someone like a Kemba Walker, even though he just got traded – um, you know, that was reported earlier that they were looking into him when he was in Boston. Um, they would going to look to fill up the roster. They didn't really need to fill it up. But they already told us what they want, which is versatility on uh, both ends on the floor and toughness. So if you want versatility and toughness, you got to bring guys that can play on both ends officially uh, within those roles, as well as bring toughness to the squad. So I won't be surprised, but, this, but, but you mentioned Murray, Deontay Murray very be very aware of that that can be very much likely especially since there's been mutual room mutual interest between lori Markin and, and the spurs um the bulls are trying to get rid of him and the the ball deal but they couldn't because of the picks they had to get rid of to get vucevic um don't be surprised if dejounte murray who from reports has a good rapport with zach levine i actually saw um a recent instagram post where zach levine shared he, what he was tagged in with DeJounte Murray uh, on the Instagram story. So um, I think these guys have a rapport, have a, nice, have, a, have a nice rapport slash relationship. And the fact that he may be on the move and Laurie Marketing, if he was a free agent, was going to look in San Antonio. I won't, be, I won't be surprised if it was a signing trade that may take place um, for, that, for them to get the point guard, especially if they strike out on Lonzo Ball as a whole. So be on the lookout for that.
3: Alana? i can tell you what the bull shouldn't do the bull should stay far away from ben simmons because i saw something the other day and i was like i'm sorry what like that that should not even be anything on their radar um i still to, to me personally i think lonzo is probably gonna be um who they go after the hardest and would be the biggest get um i was surprised. And I think I said this last time that marketing stayed around. Um, I think, you know, acquiring Vooch did hurt in terms of kind of what they had, uh, to deal that way, but I can't see marketing being on this team, uh, any further. Um, so I think whatever happens will kind of center around that. Um, but I'm, I'm all in on the Lonzo train. Uh, and I think that that would be a good point of focus for them.
0: All right, that's been our NBA panel for this NBA Power Hour right here on Sega City Sports. We are joined by Miss Alana Takauer, uh, the queen of five recent sports, and of course our teammate, Mr. Joshua M. Hicks from War Media. Guys, where can people follow you on social media? Joshua, we'll start with you.
2: You can follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Josh M. Hicks Media.
3: Alana? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alana Tahour, T-A-C-H-A-U-E-R. And obviously, please follow everything that Five Reasons Sports Network does as well.
0: All right. Thank you, guys, one and all. Uh, Great job. We're bringing down the NBA Finals, the Olympics, and what's going on from around the association. We appreciate it, guys. We'll have you guys back on again and down the line, okay? Take care. Thanks, you guys. You guys stay safe. Mm -hmm. let's wrap it up
1: all right so that was josh and alana two of our faves here and look you got some great thing you know, great stuff coming up You got yeah game you know game five i should say coming up tonight on the nba finals also you got the open championship going on at st george's uh, royal golf course you know of course there was no open championship last year so it should be a fun mm-hmm. one you yeah, got Lou, Louis Ousey's uh Jordan Spieth, Ka- Colin Muck- Marukawa. You know, you, you might hear us, you, know, just, you know Justin Johnson might have something to say about it. So yeah, so a lot of good stuff coming. You can check it out on NBC. Also, of course, all the uh, the baseball you know going on too. As it's, it's back in action for the second half, so a lot of great sports happening. And so with that said, um, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG.
0: You can follow yours truly, Sidney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's SIDKid80. SIDKid80. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WAR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can listen to the audio version of this podcast which is available at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in those search engine boxes on those podcast platforms, W-A-R-R on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can go to our website, wearearegalradio.com, for more details. That's W E A R E R E G A L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. For Lakina McGee, I am Sidney Brown. You've been listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. On our next episode, we'll have uh, the weekend that was for both our Chicago teams, and we'll preview game six of the NBA Finals between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, who will be leading this series. We'll find out on Saturday night. We'll be here to preview game six for you. On, on our next episode as the team who's leading will be one close, step closer to claiming the 2021 NBA championship. As, uh, as I mentioned, for Lakina, I'm Sid. This has been Second City Sports. We'll see you next week. Till next time, holla!
1: Stay safe, everyone, and wear your mask, and and also, too, if you're going to get vaccinated, fine. If, if not, you know, just wear your mask and keep your distance and be safe.